Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 216 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brendan Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, just when you thought that you didn't have any more form submissions coming your way, I got one last one I'm going to read to you, which came in recently, and I want you to think about this one for a second, okay? Okay. Uh, it comes from Angelo's Apple Studio, and the email address <laughs> is this is Angelo's Apple Studio, and I have feelings at apple.ca. Okay. Dear Angelo, this is your Apple Studio. I noticed that you recently purchased a MacBook Pro, and I'm wondering, what's up with that? All caps. Do you not love me anymore? Is my functionality not appealing to you? Where did we go wrong, and what could I have done differently, Angelo? I still love you. Angelo's Apple Studio, who totally has feelings. I really wonder who is the person behind this email. A lot of crimes to atone for here, Angelo. Okay, Mac Studio, you're awesome. I really like you. You're my main computer. However, I cannot drag you to the office so that I can work on a Mac at work. And do you want a grubby teenager's hands on your keyboard? You do not. So the MacBook Pro, great little computer, used by other members of the family as well, and dragged to the office on days when I have to go in. So don't worry. Um, I hope you guys become friends. You're both from the same family. I think you'll be fine. So you're a polycomputoid then. A polycomputoid. Aren't you a polycomputoid? Yes. Yeah. So I have one MacBook for work and one MacBook for my personal life. For play. <laughs> and podcast recording. Oh, which MacBook do you podcast record? Your, your MacBook Pro, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I never use my work stuff except explicitly for work stuff. I had people trying to convince me to buy just a laptop, but at the time I was not planning on buying a laptop. And because I want to use this thing for music, I wanted 32 gigabytes of, of RAM. And you spec out a MacBook Pro with 32 gigabytes of RAM. It will make you uh, cringe at the price. Absolutely. Also, you don't need that much RAM, but that's fine. Yes, but I, I like having that much RAM, especially since I keep my computer for seven, eight years. I think, and, and you can no longer update the RAM, right? And I would have needed a display as well, because a 14-inch display for the type of work I do for, like, worky work, not good. Not good at all. So I, I, and I wouldn't want it. I, I wanted to buy a 5K display because that's what I do. So it would have been too expensive. I mean, I guess I could have, I could have slummed it and got a 4K display, but no, I don't, I don't roll that I love, Yeah, I love the idea of slumming it because all of the different lines on all of your very um, low poly or low pixel demand um, um, apps really call for the extra K in resolution. All Mac apps at this point are, are, fi- are retina display apps. Look, uh, if somebody can no, fill I out the... No, I more wait, for work. Oh, yeah, for work, but it's still... It, honestly, it still comes up. When I go to work and I use the... I think I have a 23-inch 23 23 1080p HP display there that I plug my MacBook in. It is startling going from that screen to my MacBook Pro's display. Mm, all of the emails in, in Outlook just look so much different. They, they're much clearer. By the way, I saw an orb flying around you just now, and it flew into your beard, and you may be possessed. I, just, I saw that too, and I think it's just a... a it's an a, orb. It's, it's like a ghost. Dust. It's a ghost. <laughs> or, you know, I, yeah, I, I guess I'm just getting a little too intense there with uh, my desire to, to once again state the fact that uh, for your very low 
rendered needs. Like I, I have more of a use for your setup than you do at this point. With Maybe because I do video editing. That's true. However, if if people would be so kind as to fill in the form again and uh, let Brian know why the Apple Studio Display is superior to other 4K displays on the market, um, I would appreciate that. I'm stating it doesn't matter because your work suite, like your organization, still uses you know, the, the, the Microsoft work setup here, you're still a teams organization, which is disgusting. I, I understand that for work. I get it. However, I use this Mac for using logic and stuff like that as well. And having, all the colors there on logic. Well, yeah, no, but Brian, having gone from a 5k iMac, anything else would have been a downgrade and it would have been uh, difficult to deal with. It's so easy to poke the bear. I know. <laughs> and, and I'm so nice to you anyway. It's, it's not like I'm going to get really pissed off at you. No, like this is just for show a bit. This like, is as much as Brian your, and I have, argue. We've talked about your show persona a little bit. Like you, you and I both play this up a bit because we know we're being recorded. True. Are we being recorded? We're always being recorded. <laughs> Big brother's always watching. Well, by the way, my sister brought that up today. Again, we were having brunch for my parents' birthdays because my parents have a birthday in the same week. And she was showing me uh, some sort of ad for Lululemon. I can't remember what it was. Some sort of Lululemon outfit. And she had mentioned that to somebody, and then it showed up on her phone. And she's convinced that the phone is listening to her. And then my, my wife as well says she's pretty sure the phone listens to her. And everybody started talking about how, well, you, you ask Siri for something, it's listening. But I, I didn't feel like getting into the whole thing that, no, iPhones are only listening for that specific trigger word in your specific voice. And they're not paying, they're not being paid to send it to ad companies, right? That would be a huge scandal if that was found out that Apple was doing that. If it's an Android phone, I don't know. I can't say. Maybe they're listening to you, but I don't think that's Probably the case. Not. Probably not. Algorithms are so good now. Well, also, search intent's a lot, right? So Exactly. Whatever you think about searching, you probably kind of typed something or you scrolled over an ad a little longer than you would have. Well, that, that was taken into account, and that's why these things get brought up to you. Same but different in this household. Yesterday, I went to go see the extremely fun, extremely violent movie, Cocaine Bear. And uh, my wife was letting me know that a bunch of her Instagram ads were just mini trailers for the movie afterwards when I left the house. So, you know. The phone definitely knows what I'm up to because I bought the tickets online. IP addresses. Exactly, right? It's all the same. Angela, we talked about the computer of the now when we started things off here. Sure. Let us head back in time to the computer of yesteryear, my friend. And I'm talking about a different type of computer, a literal box type of computer, the Nintendo GameCube. When you had the GameCube, did you ever have the GameCube, actually? I did not. My sister owned one. Okay. I, I got a GameCube, actually, for Metroid Prime, which we discussed last week, recently came out on the Switch. I did not have the iTunes compatibility thing, though, with the Nintendo GameCube. Did you have the iTunes disc? I did not, Angelo, because it does not exist. Just the thought of this, you know, it, it kind of made me think for a second. But then you think, wait a second... The GameCube didn't actually use regular CD-ROMs. It used a weird little Nintendo Mini disc thing. And then secondly, someone else pointed out that some of the fonts being used weren't created um, uh, back in the day. Font nerds will always get you, Brian. Exactly. So uh, Egg Freckles over on Twitter posted uh, a great troll post about a, uh, an iTunes CD meant for the GameCube to install itunes onto your nintendo peripheral like back in the day like peripherals like it was like kind of like the wild west right um from the like 
more so the Win95 onwards kind of iterations of the PC, the number of adapters, the number of different kinds of wires. You know, there's a, a lot of different um, ports needed in order to achieve the minimal, right? Our USB-C future is much better than of the cable landscape of 2002 when the, the Nintendo GameCube was out. Do you prefer USB-C, Brian, to the uh, multitude of cables that we used to have? Of course I do. It makes things much easier. I did not own the uh, GameCube 230-pin connector for the iPod. <laughs> I like how one of the, the replies to tweet said it, they're almost impossible to find now. I liked how that was, that was played. But I did manage to find something that did exist, which was a uh, piece of Apple history um, that you did not have. And that is the iTunes CD to install the iTunes application. I got my Mac and my first Mac, which was an iBook in 2003. So I missed this by a year. So when you got your 2003 iBook, you had the iTunes app preloaded, I'd imagine? It did. Yeah, it was preloaded. And I, I diligently put in disks and ripped them to iTunes and then used the GraceNote database to pull in this, this, the, I was going to say the show art I'm too much into podcasts. Podcasts were not even invented yet in 2003. Or were they? Sort no, of. They were, they were like, called. Yeah, they were sort of kind of starting. But no, I, I, would, I would pull in the, the show art. One of the things I hated and really disliked about Napster and Kazaa and all that stuff was the horrible tags on them. They were all wrong. All the time. And for the longest time, you would think a certain band came out with a song and it was not the right band and there were so many especially in the new metal world they were just an all-star uh, configuration of different bands right oh corn and lip biscuit and uh you know will haven and the deftones all got together and sang on a track you mentioned all-star by smash mouth i'm sure that was <laughs> somebody <laughs> that never got miscategorized though because that was just a never ever song. everyone knew so you had this ibook right how long was it before you purchased the song I never purchased a song on iTunes with that computer. So you waited a couple more years, and then you bought something. I'm trying to think, but I rarely, rarely bought music on iTunes. I still bought CDs back then. Up until almost 2014, I was still buying CDs. And then Apple Music came out, and I just started using that. Because there was a period of time where I wasn't listening to much new music. So what you're saying is that you, you resisted the, the digital urge to buy anything. Very much so. I, I, and I didn't pirate, pirate anything, so I was really boring. I, was, <laughs> I had a, a whole stretch of time where I didn't really listen to much new music. I had my old standards. I was one of those people. And now I don't your, like... Your Led Zeppelins, yeah, your Beatles. Yeah. Our Lady Peace. Yeah, Pearl yeah. Jam. Yeah. I was stuck in the 90s and some like classic stuff, too. Now I, I much like everything you but you are a master of the 90s you had related a story before we started recording that i really enjoyed right so i i figured this would be a great place for you to sort of get into it so my daughter has ballet on monday nights and it ends just around nine o'clock so as we're driving home we listen to the 90s at nine on a local montreal station called show and my daughter likes to cover the radio display because i i'm not quite sure how this works but Radio stations can it shows the name of the song. I have an oldish car, like it's a, almost a ten year old car, and it still shows. Oh, I have a ten year old Corolla and it does the same thing. Yeah, so it shows. I guess it's it's through the digital airwaves, 
and my daughter covers the the thing to to prevent me from seeing what the name of the song is. And sometimes I don't know what the song is, but it made me laugh the other day when she she covered the the thing. She's like, "Do you know what song this is?" And it was uh, "Where the Streets Have No Name" by U two. And I had to explain to her that is likely one of the most famous songs ever. But you know, when the Toadies Possum Kingdom comes up, it's just it's over. No, but I, yeah, but I I, I kind of know that, but not really. That that's a great song, but I. Yeah, and I only know it because it. Uh, I know it when I hear it, but I wouldn't be able to name it. And right. I and that happened. It's all because of the the lyrics in there uh, uh, in the back of the boathouse. I'll show you my dark secrets, which is just weird '90s lyrics. It kind of reminds me of Primus a bit. It, it was a re- it was recently in for all mankind Midnight club for all mankind. Oh, I think, and okay. I could be getting it wrong. I could be talking about the wrong song as well. But I'm pretty sure. But it's I feel like it was song. in one of these like trailers reimagined or something. Like they did with uh, that Gears of War trailer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the, yeah. With the, well, what song was it in that? But you know what I'm talking about. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. So uh, Possum Kingdom did show up in the Midnight Club trailer okay. from last fall. Okay. So unlike you, I actually um, sometimes bought digital songs, and sometimes I ended up with free songs because, for whatever reason, I just kept getting free iTunes credits from different places. So the first song that I quote unquote bought was from a Quebec rocker named Eric Lapointe. And uh, was it he Bobby Pin? recorded, no, he actually recorded some songs for the 2006 movie, Bone Cop, Bat Cop. And I wanted the song and obviously it wasn't available on CD just yet, or it was, and I couldn't find the CD. So I ended up just buying it digitally. Was it a, an English song or a French song? It was a French song and it kind of is a hard rocker. Well, you know, LaPointe is a, a bad man. Like I, there's a lot of news stories about him not being a great person. So I don't really, um, you know, advocate going to listen to him. But if you're wondering what weird rock from uh, 20 years ago in Quebec sounds like, that is the, the place to go. Is he still doing stuff? He is still doing stuff. Uh, he was on the Quebec version of The Voice for a while. Oh, okay. One of my favorite acts from the 90s and the early 2000s has also recently been turned into like a, well, he, he always was, but it, it's come out, come to light that he's not a good dude and that would be Matthew Good. Oh, yes. I thought you were going to say Billy Corgan and, and his myriad beliefs of like weird stuff. No, Billy Corgan was recently in a Rick Beato interview and this is our uh, bi-weekly shout out to Rick Beato. <laughs> Rick Beato. Not, we don't mention him every week, but when we do, we endorse him. A, a huge stamp of approval there. I mean, even Brian likes Rick Beato. And so does, do. so does your father-in-law. He sure does. So speaking of stamps of approval and technology, let us talk about virtual reality. Angela, you and I love and hate to talk about virtual reality on the same breath because it seems so cool, yet it can be so bad at the same time. We've said it before, but virtual reality has been uh, pushed down the throats of gamers as the next big thing for many years. And I think since 2016, it finally reached a point in technology where it's actually pretty good. I've never tried it, though. Have you? I played around with an Oculus, like, I want to say like five years ago. How did it feel? Uh, It was okay. I mean, I wasn't playing like the top line Super 3D um, games. I was just playing a game where I was on the ledge of a building and I had to to crawl over. (laughs) That sounds terrifying. It was fine. I survived. You know, it was it was worth the five minutes. I'll say the PSVR 2 genuinely has me excited about VR. Uh, mostly because, for, for me anyway, uh, the barrier for entry now is a lot smaller than it's ever been because I've never had a, a high-end PC. The PS4, PSVR, I don't think, worked on the original PS4 that I had. I may, I may be wrong about that. Don't quote me. But it didn't... 
it didn't call to me, let's say, but this PSVR 2 really seems interesting. Now, there's two things stopping me. First of all, I don't really feel like spending the money right now when I have tons of PS5 games to play. So I'm thinking maybe uh, as a birthday gift or something, I may request it if the price comes down and there's more games. However, even with that said, I think I'd want to try it first because I don't do well with motion sickness. I'm fine on like most traveling. However, if I start reading in a car, within five minutes, I'm not well. And, And lately, in my old age... I have a hard time being a passenger in a car. I watched you hobble into the room that you record in, so clearly yeah, that has nothing is... to do with motion sickness. I pulled a <laughs> well. You see, your your old aged bones yeah. are just calcifying at a scary rate. Yeah, even even with all the exercise <laughs> I do, I can still. Hurt do you take my vitamins? Back. Have we talked about vitamins? No, I don't take vitamins. No, you don't believe in those. Uh, from big, what I've understood, yeah, from what I understand, vitamins are not ex- are a bit of a racket. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a whole other kind of conversation to get to about, you know, where you source your vitamins from. But a couple of interesting things, right? So the first thing, Angelo, is, you know, there are 30 games in development right now. So if the, the slate grows larger, it'll be nice. Um, and I also watched the the Verge video review, which I found very interesting. And one of the unintended kind of things I hadn't even thought about is if you have a smaller setup or smaller television, you can go into your VR headset and watch netflix on a quote-unquote larger screen which i thought was a very interesting concept apparently it, it feels like a hundred foot screen <laughs> which could be kind of awesome i mean like it outputs a 1080p but like it could be kind of interesting to try out the other thing they mentioned that i didn't really realize it because it seems so expensive to me but the psvr 2 is is actually relatively affordable in terms of the technology that's in there for vr there's um i actually already have a vr game installed on ips5 and that's gran turismo 7 which is one of my favorite games would be super cool however just thinking about it the motion sickness potential there is very high the color has drained from angelo's face as we were well because you're sitting on your couch and if you're in vr and you're looking everywhere and your car looks like it's going 300 kilometers an hour you're not gonna feel well your kids would bully you mercilessly if they saw you in that situation. Yeah, I and I'm not sure my nine-year-old would be allowed to try VR. From what I understand, I think there's like an, a minimum age, but I could be wrong. Like eye maturity, I guess? Yeah, maybe. That's something interesting, too. Speaking of eye maturity, is the, the way that they're capturing eyesight is different, which I thought was something interesting. That's fascinating to me, is that if you look at menus on the screen, it selects it. That's pretty incredible. And the, the safety yeah, the safety measures are really good too, where if you step out of the play zone, everything stops and the cameras turn on, which is kind of cool. You can see the outside world with this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting features. I don't have a PS5, right? So I have no horse in this game. And they, they tested out the fact yeah, that... Yeah, the barrier would be higher for you. Yeah, but I mean, like, they tried it out on on a PC to see if it worked on Steam and it wasn't recognized as of yet. But yeah. who knows if they decide to do that. Something else that's interesting, too, and I think we for kind of forgot to mention this off the top of the, the video, is that, like, this is not a, a Metaverse-first headset right this is being pitched as a gaming it's for games um, that's it it's not headset yeah. and and controllers thing which i think is a very interesting demarcation based on the current trends of join the metaverse using you know meta's device or whatever and it's downright cheap compared to what apple's display is probably going to cost and to me right apple's play is going to be the metaverse like i, I can't see them being like by the way we're 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 going we're going into game development guys. yeah play cut the rope and uh what what are other uh, fun mobile games that I have no idea about? Candy Crush? Candy Crush. That's the one I was thinking of. Candy Crush, Cut the Rope. 
<laughs> Angry Birds. You you be the bird. <laughs> you get launched. Yeah, you yeah get exactly. Launched. Actually, that's like an amazing idea for a VR game. Just getting into a cannon and being launched? Yeah. But the games seem really cool. The controllers are really neat. The so, Horizon game seems cool, right? Yeah. So. And I love the Horizon universe, so it'll be kind of fun to try. It, it's something... It's it's way more on my radar now that I've seen some reviews than it was when it was announced. I had no interest in it at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks cool. It's a lot better than the last gen of gaming consoles and their take on VR, right? Because it was very polygonal, kind of like basic a lot of the time because you couldn't run um, a lot on a screen at a time necessarily, right? So I feel like we're just, it's an evolution I'm here for. It's not one that I'm going to buy into necessarily, but I think it's, for those who are interested in it, I think it's definitely a, a step up from um, the PlayStation Move or whatever, right? Well, and the setup's significantly easier. It's literally one cord you plug in. USB-C? Yeah, USB-C for everything. It all comes back to USB-C. It'd be funny if Sony's PSVR had like a 40-pin connector with like dip switches <laughs> like on it. Like an old springer, like an old printer? Yeah, where you had to like put the clips on the sides so and then didn't pop out. <laughs> uh, only time will tell. I'm kind of interested if anyone out there um, is thinking about buying the, the PSVR 2. Let us know over on Twitter, double underscore density. I'm still there, still, you know, tending the garden of the graveyard on his Twitter. And then if you wanted to fill out a form, yeah, double density.net, you can find the form there. If not, email's a lot easier, double density podcast at gmail.com. You can email us directly, yeah. please. Um, a horror game would be kind of cool for you. Well, you, you like we're doing uh, Resident Evil uh, Village. Village. Yeah. I didn't like Resident Evil 7. I played it and it just, I finished it, but it wasn't really for me. Right. I would just like a time crisis conversion. I want time crisis. I want to play time crisis. And you could shoot but with my your fingers. Both pew, be pew. Time crisis. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even have to worry all that much. Yeah. That's what I want from the switch. I want a good first person shooter game where I, it feels like an arcade. I want the peripheral right on, you know, in time crisis, it's always like the, the pedal that like allows you to step back and reload. Well, Microsoft has said if they uh, get to buy Activision, they're going to put all the call of duty games on the switch. Call I, of duty. Perfect. Yeah. Angela, one last thing before we leave. I linked you to, uh, to a thread by uh, uh, Cory Doctorow, who is a uh, fictional slash non-fictional um, sci-fi thinker person, a, a, a man who I enjoy a, a lot of his writing. And he recently revealed a very sad reality here that um, search engine algorithms um, can be targeted for unfortunate results. So um, Corey detailed wanting to order from a local Thai eatery. And then the first sponsored link was a fake website that then would contact the real restaurant in order to get food delivered at markup. It's incredible that that pops up first. Well, I mean, uh, Google's been really aggressive in the way that they've been allowing um, ad bidding to be, to be done and displayed to. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's sponsored and ad, and then it takes a while to get, actually get to the results sometimes. I don't know if you've, if you've I've seen had that. that issue recently. I know I have. And because of the way I have the ad block set up on my Eero router, if I click on that first link, I get a blank page because it's an ad. Oh, really? Okay, so you're not quite sure what's an ad anymore. Yeah, well, I can tell it's an ad. Like, now I know to look more carefully to look for the little ad notification there. It's the meme of that older woman, you know, the grandma with the glasses kind of looking at the computer. That's Yeah, you. that's me. Sometimes that and sometimes the dog that looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I could definitely see that. <laughs> I I will send that image to coworkers sometimes when I I like I, I see any something. meeting that yeah. you join. Yeah, pretty much. That's my picture in Zoom. 
Dr. O in his thread calls out Wix, which is the website um, provider for the fake website, as well as Google, as well as American Express. And uh, there's a, a ton of stuff going on there because American Express, you need a merchant account in order to be able to transact. So, you know, a lot of um, safeguards that are just being ignored or uh, circumvented. What I do kind of like here is that the company that the restaurant he ordered from knows this is happening and was happy to cancel the order and not charge him the extra fee. Yeah, which is the good news, but I think it's it's more symptomatic of an issue that is probably going to become more and more prevalent as we try to uh, um, as businesses try to obfuscate the fact that they're sponsored or ad content. It has me wondering if the place I order from all the time because the I order from various restaurants around here sometimes, but it's always the same website. So sometimes I'm concerned that I'm ordering from the wrong site, but the prices seem right, so maybe I'm. I hope I'm not screwing up. Double density. Oh boy, Angelo. I just, I read a tweet that's going to be very problematic for us to deal with. Right now? Yeah. (laughs) So this is from the Wall Street Journal. Lab leak most likely origin of COVID-19 pandemic energy department now says. Oh boy. So that's one conspiracy that came true, which will really help our next segment of the podcast. I think, do you want to go into the paranormal right now, Brian? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is breaking, right? So we're not going to get into this now. We're recording on Sunday the 26th, uh, February 2023. So who knows how this is going to play out. Um, but yeah, let us head on over to the paranormal side of things and sigh heavily. Great. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So, Angela, the first thing you want to talk about in this segment, spheres, large metallic spheres all over the world. This is unplanned, Brian, because as I was preparing for the podcast, I was in the kitchen, and my wife said, oh, you guys are talking about the Japanese ball, and I had no idea what she was talking about. So, for once, my wife is on top of paranormal news more so than me, mainly because she has Facebook and stuff, so she's seen it pop up on her feed, and uh, it's weird. It's sort of weird. But first thing I said when I saw it is that it looks like a buoy. And guess what, Angelo? And I'm pretty sure it is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, just the idea here of a large metallic ball washing up on the shores you know, of Japan. Yeah, and just seeing the, the, the sort of uh, mildly confused looking Japanese officials walking around it in the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't see why anybody would have thought otherwise. From the the Guardian article, they quote a local man who regularly runs on the beach. He said he did not understand why the ball had suddenly become the center of attention. And I quote: "He said it's been there for a month." He told the public broadcaster, "I tried to push it, but it wouldn't budge." <laughs> so a, a good uh, you know civic citizen there just doing his work. I'm not sure where he tried to push it. Back in the water? Like I don't know. From the BBC article, um, they quote a couple of people online. They're wondering why the the Japanese officials have not explained what it is. But one of them said, and this is translated, obviously, oh, my God, it's a steel mooring boy, people. I'm embarrassed to be Japanese, which I thought was a pretty funny like, yeah. <laughs> way of, of saying it. I think people now want things to be a little more exciting. Uh, they want it to be the shot down balloon or in this case, metal ball that fell from the sky. Or the UFO being shot down by the U.S. military, which is uh, a bunch of uh, hobbyist balloons. I don't really know why this got so much traction, but 
still a funny little thing. People get excited about stuff, but it's pretty certainly just some sort of debris that washed up on shore. Correct. So uh, conspiracy theory averted, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's not so easy to avert conspiracy theories, though, Angela, is it? Conspiracy theories, Brian, I think in the last three or four years have uh, become more commonplace than before. And dare I say less fun. Well, I feel like because of the fact that like it's it's also like hand in hand with the pandemic and um, different levels of civic unrest attached to it, right? It's not just little green men; it's little green men, you know, messing with the electoral process. Yeah, and I didn't want to get into too many conspiracy theories, but now I think we'll have to talk about one next week as well because of the breaking news we announced before the break. Lately, there's been an uptick in, well, at least people think there's been an uptick in train derailments and chemical fires and things like that, all kind of stemming from the East Palestine train derailment. What do you think about that, Brian? Okay, so I think it is a story about a uh, flawed narrative, right? So, you know, a lot of people online were saying, this isn't being reported anywhere. And then I saw a bunch of tweets that were just screenshots of all the different places um, with, like, different headlines and subheaders um, that this had been... Uh, reported from right so i think that like that's a little bit of a weird misnomer is that people believe it wasn't being reported was the official narrative right off the bat when it actually wasn't the case right because the whole idea here is the government doesn't want you to know these things which is i mean like the government doesn't want you to know these things for other reasons not because it's a conspiracy but because once again like this is a consequence of living in a capitalist society where you end up um, scraping money to please your shareholders And that's how you screw up thousands, if not like tens or or hundreds of thousands of lives through, uh, you know, uh, eroding security. Cost-cutting measures, measures, cutting corners. The the thing I also think is that the conspiracy theorists did not appreciate that the mainstream media was not, quote-unquote, like connecting the dots with other chemical-related accidents. Which unfortunately happened with, you know, a, a... pretty regular certainty as well as like train derailments and other kinds of of uh industrial size accidents right yeah and so there's a a vice article that i'm going to put in the show notes by uh, anna merlin and she said one of the funny consequences of this is all these right-wing people suddenly becoming environmentalists and looking for freedom of the press which is just interesting and so like okay so one of the, I think one of the bigger reasons here that people thought that like the mainstream reporting was not either reporting on it or connecting the dots is because <sighs> social media now is an echo chamber, right? So why would you follow the lamestream media when you're getting your news from other places, right? So you don't think that these people are reporting on this thing because you don't actually follow their social accounts. So you don't actually see the reporting that they do. And I am not defending the mainstream media here. They get plenty of stuff wrong all the time. But to say that like certain things aren't being reported or being underreported that aren't true is simply a symptom of you not doing my favorite thing on earth, which is the know your enemy kind of thing, right? Which is why I follow these like right wing idiots on Twitter to know what they're talking about. And your issues with the mainstream media are not the same as the far right issues with the mainstream media in that. No, do I believe that, you know, there is a cabal of pedophiles ruling the world no i do not believe that are do i believe that there are vested interests that sometimes bleed into stories and that there are things that are killed um for various reasons sure you know i i'm willing to to concede that that is a sad reality um much in the same way politics is just different levels of glad handing right i don't feel that there are many altruistic politicians out there either 
and that's what's happening with conspiracy now. It's all about sticking with your tribe, with your politics, with your beliefs, and not looking for any other answers anywhere else because you're not getting them because the algorithms of all the social media are on are feeding you the things you really want to get excited about, get up in arms about, get offended about, but in a way that is comfortable with your worldview. Well, I was going to say, like, we live in the world, you know, we're operating in the, in the year 2023. Uh, mistrust of institutions is at an all-time high. Erosion of that trust has been a long time coming, decades even, I would say. And so right now, the idea of, like, wanting to buy into a narrative seems really difficult after a couple of years of, like, real problematic issues that have affected the globe in general, right? And so, like you were saying, I do think that certain people feel comforted um, by having someone um, laying things out. Like we've talked about this before, the idea of like a conspiracy theory almost being like comforting, right? Like you just said, because of the fact that like it gives you answers to problems you didn't know how to articulate good responses to, I'd say. It allows you to the, connect those dots to something that makes more sense to you. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm reading the Will Summer. So he writes for the Daily Beast. I'm reading his book, Trust the Plan Now, all about QAnon. And he does a really good job. He spends a lot of time interviewing um, believers in, in QAnon, right? And just how their worldview has shaped and changed. And it's it's interesting to read their words. And just there's a lot of disillusionment, right? And a lot of it is uh, basically due to a lot of narratives saying that like there is decay in Western society. And it's due to these like huge factors, yeah, there's there's been and like you said, there's been shifts in beliefs and things too. Uh, one of the things I've noticed the most is remember when anti-vax people were on the far left, not the far right, the crystal peeled people. Is like, like it was more, it was more like uh, hippy dippy people that had uh, some sort of problem with big pharma and the fact that they didn't like huge corporations controlling things and for for good reasons but you know they would avoid vaccines and things like that thinking they caused autism and all that stuff and now there's been a shift to the to the extreme right as well i think extreme left people still also still avoid uh, i think i think fringes exist on on wide swaths yeah like it's all the organic like people right like they only buy organic because it tastes better even well as i say like that's the funny thing is that like um, body autonomy means different things to different people, right? So mm-hmm. originally, when you had your hippie types, bodily autonomy means protecting yourself from the different kinds of things that you're you're putting into your body. Versus the more conservative side of of bodily autonomy is I'm still going to ingest all of these things um, that are chemicals essentially in the food and stuff, but like as it relates to my health directly, I'm going to ignore. And also, there's something to be talked about or said about um, abortion, right? And bodily autonomy there too, though I'm not quite sure. Um, how to articulate it without getting really angry. Yeah, let's whatever. not bring that into this argument. But the the whole thing with the COVID measures and all that, the far right felt like it was an attack on their freedom to yeah. be able to do things because there were certain measures put in place. And even as somebody who's, uh, have we discussed, very left of center, I also felt like the way those measures were put in place and stuff was not really the right way to do things, but they still had to do something. Because people will not protect themselves. Well, I was going to say, also, I think in the, in the case of where we live in Quebec, like, it was a PR stunt more than anything, right? Yeah, just to kind of say Like things. an overcorrection of measures, because early on during the pandemic, so many older people had passed 
um, because of how badly our safety measures uh, were placed and how vulnerable um, our elderly population was and still is, right? So I think that, like, there's an overcorrection there to see, you know, it's, it's like the tough on crime mandate whenever they bring in a new police chief or whatever. Yeah, let's all have a curfew. Everybody in their beds by 6 o'clock. Well, we did have a curfew here. Yeah, it no. sucked. Yeah, and a lot of people didn't like it, and I, I totally get it. As, some, as a hermit such as myself, it didn't affect me at all. No, that is quite true. You're in bed by 7 o'clock usually. Yeah. We're recording now. It's about like 8.30. Your bones are decaying and sucks, so. It's terrible. Now, the other <laughs> thing, like, good luck trying to convince somebody otherwise about their conspiracy, be it, you know, something like the whole vaccine stuff, but even something as patently silly as flat earthers, you are not going to convince them that the earth is actually a globe because they've got it into their minds that this is what the world is like. And there's a cognitive dissonance there, right? That's the most, one of the most important terms in terms of, dealing with conspiracies is that where something might show them that their worldview is wrong, but it's so against their way of thinking that it'll actually backfire on you. And no, I, I would like to blame MySpace for this one. MySpace, you're going that far back. So the creation of a digital identity, attaching a real name to things, we've talked about this before, but I feel like MySpace is really kind of the tipping point for that, right? And so I think what happens is that plus other social media networks that came after MySpace, um, you attach an importance to your opinion and your value, right? So you have formulated an opinion based on your own quote-unquote research, which is the same thing. Like one of the, the favorite things that conspiracy theorists love to say is – Go do your own research and come back to me, right? And so they feel like they've done enough research to understand, hey, the earth is flat. So therefore, it must be true because I've done the work. I am an important person in my own life and online. The problem with doing your own research and then coming back to them is that when you've done your own research, realize that they are completely wrong and show them said research, they will find a way to say that that research is wrong. Of course. And that's really easy to do these days, right? Because, um, you know, there are all these industries uh, and like partially because of like SEO reasons, I'd like to think, but also partially because of the proliferance of like alternative media outlets um, existing. I use alternate as like a very wide swath of different outlets that have different aims, right? So I feel like maybe um, – that is also is part of it too, is that there's so many different places on the internet you can get the 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 quote unquote truth, right? Unlocking the truth, gathering the truth, infowars.com. Those are great places to start your research, Brian. I'm gonna go ahead and just click around for a while. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like and then bringing this back to to things like UFOs, right? Like even right now, the popular UFO discourse, right? Like we watched the unfortunate Jeremy Corbell um, podcast segment he's done a, they've done a him and George Dapp have done a couple more episodes I do not want to touch them because I think that it would just make me tired and you don't want to listen to them angry. as you go to bed no no that is something I definitely do not do because I actually like myself I am but you know the the politicization of UFOs and we've we've briefly discussed before is like ever prevalent right all of these um, people praying for disclosure disclosure is imminent the government's going to tell us what's happening that's not the case no. right i mean like you and i have talked about how like a couple weeks ago right the these weather balloons people thought that they were ufos but they actually were real balloons weather ufos balloons. yeah they were unidentified flying objects that turned out to be balloons Correct. sort of like that thing in roswell <laughs> oh right the mogul balloons yes. right of course yeah how could i have forgotten yeah uh but yeah i, I just feel like even the politicization the politicization of something like ufos is is 
is very commonplace too, right? And I feel it. Um, once again, it's the confluence of the ability to make money in a niche as well as a willing audience who, and we've discussed this before because you're, you, collectively the double density threshold for proof is, is much higher than the layperson. We want to believe in these things. We yes. want to believe in these phenomena. We want that validated. But at the end of the day, what we require for that validation is so much higher than a lot of people on the internet because, you know, is it media literacy? I'm not quite sure. Is it just a willingness to believe in something because, you know, um, theistic belief has faded? Mm-hmm. There's also that, right? You know, it's the same thing with something like Hunan. Like, you want to believe in a grand plan. You want to believe in the quote-unquote cleansing of a nation. You want better times, right? Because um, I feel like this almost ties into our obsession with nostalgia these days, too. That, like, we we don't necessarily want the toys of back then, but we want the feeling that the toys gave us of back then. That's a really good point. And why, well, that's why nostalgia stuff is so, so popular. Even something as simple as a, a new TV show that takes place in a previous period will be a big hit like stranger things, which is, it's a great show anyway, but the fact that it takes place, I mean, the, the kids in it were, would be older than I am now. But it still brings back memories of the early and mid uh, mid eighties to my, to me. Yeah, I think it's the you know the end of uh, original content or thought happened maybe like fifteen years ago, and ever since then we've been in this cycle of of remembering. Well, just look almost. at all the remakes, right? Yeah, of everything. Although people complained about Sony remaking The Last of Us again, right? It's the it's the second remake of The Last of Us, but man, is that thing selling well because of the TV show? <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, that's just synergy too, right? It's just propping up a an already successful uh, f- franchise using a different medium. So I think yeah. that's a little more forgivable. But I just think that like there's the sentiment of wanting things to be better without understanding the underside of those things too. Like for example, we talked about this last week: the idea and the notion of the satanic panic. All these kids being asked leading questions, and then these teachers getting you know arrested because a kid said you know they were doing blood sacrifices. They took me on a plane to go visit other people, which patently wasn't true, but people believed it because they wanted to. Yeah, of course. You know, and they want to believe that their their kid is telling them the truth, though you don't understand how fallible a, t- a toddler's brain is at the same time, too, right? Like, that's that's kind of the issue uh, there, too. But, yeah, it just I feel like nostalgia for so long has held such a grip on us that we want that feeling again so badly. When we look around and we consider the fact that, like, we don't get that rush anymore. We don't get that hit in the same way. And I, I do feel like it's partially um, that plus the self-importance that social media creates that you have an inflated sense of self. Like, I am a speck of dirt in the grand scheme of things in the, in the, the vastest of the universe, I am a, a thousandth of a speck of dirt. And I understand that I'm not perfect. I'm fallible. And, uh, my opinion, I want to believe is a little bit better than a lot of people's. Um, yeah, but I am not believing that I'm the 1% percentile of like the top thinkers of the world. We fall prey to the same issues. Conspiracy theorists fall prey to. Um, and sometimes I sit here wondering to myself when I'm, reading some sort of conspiracy post on Reddit or in a forum, what if I'm wrong and they're right? What if there is no global warming? What if it's a a cabal of climate scientists gathering together to make us think that the earth is warming for no absolute reason? Or what if the COVID vaccine is murdering people by the millions? I I think doubt is healthy, right? I think doubt is healthy. And you and I uh, sometimes pretend that we know better than everyone else in the world, but that is just a persona. And once again, that we play on the show a little bit. And I, you know, I think doubt is healthy. I think looking at things and questioning them and poking holes. And we talked about this, right? Like you and I want to believe in things. We want to sit down and figure things out, but we 
want to poke holes in them to make sure that they're stronger, right? You know, when finally that benevolent alien force makes itself known, we can poke holes in what has happened here and understand that and come away satisfied, right? I think there's a such a desire to be right that, ironically enough, there's not the homework done to actually be right. I feel like this became a philosophical episode of Double Density. We definitely dove in way harder than I thought we would. Yeah. And then next week, we're going to have to unpack this whole COVID thing again. Or or not, depending which way we want to go, right? Like, that's that's kind of the beauty of a, uh, of a, a show like ours. We kind of do what we want. And we'll see what happens during the course of the week. So they may uh, scale back on that and say, no, 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 it was just a weather balloon. <laughs> also, one last thing I want to talk about is the, the uh, economy of attention, right? So people were saying that the U.S. government had down these weather balloons as a distraction for this spill. I don't think that's the case. I just think there's so many tweets or so many, you know, uh, telegram messages or WhatsApp messages that go during a day to your followers that you can pay attention to. Right. So there, there can be several news stories in the same cycle. Um, there's so happen. much now. There's so much that we're inundated with information that we can actually put online and people can react to that too. So that's another thing that has changed so much since the quaint days of the 1940s and 50s when there'd be an article in a newspaper that you'd have to go pick up at the newsstand and read about UFOs. Or listen to a radio show or like a radio update, right? Um, and I think that like that's kind of the double-edged sword of, of alternative media, right? Once again, is that like there are a lot of outlets doing a lot of work that traditional media wouldn't touch. But at the same time, there are a lot of bad actors in the space too that understand that like you – can gain someone's attention for a little bit by saying something that isn't necessarily true, but true enough. And speaking of nostalgia, we're going to be dipping into some nostalgia soon with uh, going back and listening to old episodes of Coast to Coast. We sure are, Angelo. We talked about this last week. We're going to be launching something in a couple of weeks where you and I will go into older episodes of... Uh, I'm not touching any Nori. I'm thinking we're no, saying no, it's, Bell No, it's only. our Bell. Yeah, no, I think the impetus for this was our little feature on art bell and the article and there was an article about it we did a few weeks ago it's even a few months well, it was, ago it was the fbi it was his FBI no but there's an article files. we talked about yes. art bell a yes. few was it a few months ago at this point yeah a and then ago, last yeah. week or the week before was the art bell fbi files yeah it was last week and so we'll be doing a bit of a different kind of feature there but uh may have some special guests on to talk about them too we'll see yeah we uh we have a lot of options here angelo i feel like this is a Great place to end episode 216 of the ever-present, ever-real, ever-true Double Density Podcast. We both put our hoods up. We yeah. cannot do them. I cannot time. because I just realized that I have over-the-head headphones. Brian <laughs> uses in-ear monitors because he's so fancy. Uh, it's just also smaller and better. Uh, less space needed on my desk. You haven't seen this, but I have a little hook now that's attached here that I oh, can hang these on. Fancy. They're very fancy. So, All right, Angela, where can people find us on the internet digitally? Uh, DoubleDensity.net is my favorite place to go because there you can fill out a form and it'll come to Brian and then Brian will read it to me on the show. Recently, my inanimate objects have been filling out the forms. <laughs> In like a sad man's version of Poltergeist. Yeah. I just hope nothing happens to the Mac Studio. Uh, I, I think I like UMAX Studio. It yeah. looks like it sort of has a little smile on its face, too, with the SD card reader. Going from 5K to 1K will be a hell of a time to go. You can also find us over on Twitter, double 
underscore density. I mentioned before, I'm still tending the plot of our grave over on that social network and then double density podcast over on Instagram too. And you can go ahead and do that. If not, you can email us double density podcast gmail.com much faster than filling out a form because it's much easier to do if you just open up your web browser window and click yeah. and type in double density podcast gmail.com. Sounds good. This has been it for episode 216 of the Double Density Podcast. And as always, you can tune in next week as Angela and I go deeper down the rabbit hole and discover what if it's not a flat earth, but a banana shaped earth? Would we just fall off at that point? No, but you fall off and then it would swing you right back up. All right.